Welcome, everybody. Hey, a special welcome to our friends that are gathered together in Alaman in the Dominican Republic. I see you guys there, so uh, welcome. Glad you're part of everything that's going on here this morning. Hey, uh, before I get started, a couple of announcements. We've got some changes going on with the staff. First and foremost, we have Dio Cochran, who is going to join the staff here at Orchard Hills. Many of you already know and love Dio. He's going to be the director of Hispanic Ministries and, and help us to do a better job of, of expanding the relationships that we have within that ever-growing Hispanic community. So it's great to have Dio here. And he's not giving up his, his role with Pathway Dominicana, but he's got that great team already assembled down there. They're taking on more responsibility, especially Felicia. So um, we're excited to see that ministry continue to go and to grow. So thanks, Dio. Um, one more change has to do with Sutton. And Sutton's going to be leaving us. Just kidding. The, uh, <clears throat> I got you. That was good. But uh, Sutton is going to change roles a little bit. He's now going to become our associate pastor. And he's going to be taking on more and more pastoral roles. So that's a little bit of a change for Sutton. So... Uh, And so with that, like the last month or so, probably two months, Sutton has really been, been passionate about um, starting a series on the Sermon on the Mount. Sermon on the Mount. And so he's been bugging me. He, he's like, Scott, I really think we need to do the, the series on the Sermon on the Mount. And, and I, I was just kind of you know, hesitant about it. And then I, I discovered that it had something to do with a class that he's taken. He could kill two birds with one stone. And that's why I was so passionate about it. But uh, anyhow, I, I wasn't going to do it because I also felt I was like, I just preached on this, I, I think, recently, at least on the Beatitudes. Do you guys remember when I had this big old ladder up here and I would climb up a different rung? I'd get higher and higher week after week talking about how the Beatitudes build upon one another. How many people remember the ladder? I got two. And so I did some checking and, and it asked Connie Mashing, she knows all, and uh, it was like 13 years ago. So I guess, you know, I'm going to succumb to the will of Sutton on this one, and we were going to start this series called The Sermon on the Mount. Now, um, the Sermon on the Mount is found in, in Matthew, in Matthew, and it's three chapters, Matthew chapter 5 chapter 6 and chapter 7. Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And then Luke alludes to this as well. If you go to Luke chapter 6, you'll see this allusion to many of the same things. Now, um, I believe this is the most counter-cultural message Jesus ever preached. The most counter-cultural message Jesus ever preached. He was calling his followers, his disciples, to be radically different than the world around, different from the secular people and different from the religious people of his day. You see, when Jesus came to earth, um, he, he wasn't coming to call us to become more religious. He, he came to call us to become more relational. It wasn't about religion. It was about relationships, right? And he was all about us having this relationship with God the Father, and a relationship with one another. 
That's what he was all about, and that's what he continues to be all about, and that's why at Orchard Hills, our mission is summed up as people investing in people for eternity, because that's what Jesus has always been about. It's about relationships. It's not about religion. So I went to Pastor Sutton and said, what would you like me to speak on this week? And so, remember, where's the Sermon on the Mount found? It's Matthew what? Chapters 5, 6, and 7. Sutton said, I'd like you to speak on Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. And I was like, okay. So here, here we go. This is what it says. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Now, first of all, I'd like you to notice that Pastor Sutton didn't trust me to even do the introduction to the Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) He gave me three verses before that that described the context. And, And in all seriousness, this is really important. Whenever you're studying the Bible or you're studying anything, for that matter, you need to understand the context. The context. And so that's what we have in these three verses. It's important that we understand the context as we lead up to the the weeks to come, looking at the Sermon on the Mount. So in verse 23, we see the setting, the setting. And it says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee, throughout Galilee. Now, if you don't know where Galilee is, well, guess what? I have a map. And so here's my map. Thanks to, uh, here's my map. There it is. Thanks to Mark Chandler. Look how techy I'm getting. Like, I feel sort of giddy right now. The, uh, anyhow, first of all, we, we go to Galilee. Here's the Sea of Galilee. Can you see that? It uh, is not really a sea at all, is it? But it's a big old lake. And that's the Sea of Galilee. And what we see here, um, he's speaking to the whole region around Galilee. That's the setting. And so down here, see that? It says the Decapolis. And then over here is Judea. That's the region. And right here, that little square, let me look at that. The, uh, that's Jerusalem. And then if we go back up here, we're going to see some of the other areas. Right in here, this is Capernaum. You guys, that's where he did a lot of the healing. And up here is a little mountainside called the Mount of Beatitudes. That's how we refer to it now. So that's where the Sermon of the Mount took place. And if you were with us last week, remember Sam was here or some of you guys were watching online. Sam was talking about how Israel is really the bridge between the east or the west, rather, Europe and the east over here, Asia. It's also the bridge to Africa, which is way down here. In the south, I don't have that on the map here. But anyhow, if you see these little red um, road, these are roads. These are the ancient Roman roads. And you'll notice that they go through Israel, connecting 
the kingdoms to the west with the kingdoms to the east and also extending south to the kingdoms of Africa. And most of them pass right through here, right through here. This is where Jesus in this entire region here spent most of his time doing his ministry. And so it's, it's imperative that you understand the setting because this is where the different kingdoms of the world were crossing paths and where he's giving this message about how different his kingdom is from the kingdoms of the world. So I think that's important. So what was he doing? What was he doing while he was going through this region? Well, if you look with me, the, the, the continuation of verse 23 says this, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. So Jesus was teaching. He was teaching in the Jewish synagogues. That's their place of worship. These were the religious people that he was speaking to. And he was speaking to them about how, how much better, how good, how different is the kingdom of God. How different is the kingdom of God? Again, he's speaking to the religious people of his day. And when he was speaking to the Jews, he typically spoke to them in parables. Now, parables are short stories, and they convey a truth that, that the individuals would be able to understand better. It's usually a picture of something, an image of something that conveys a greater message. And Jesus oftentimes spoke in parables to his people. And we see that Mar, or Matthew rather here wrote seven different parables down in, in Matthew chapter 13. And if you go to Matthew chapter 13, you're going to see seven parables that describe the kingdom of God and what it's like and how valuable it is. And here, here they are. First is the parable of the sower. Then you have the parable of, of the weeds. Then the parable of the mustard seed. Then we have the parable of the leaven or the yeast. Then there's the parable of the hidden treasure, followed by the parable of the pearl of great price. And then finally, the parable of drawing in the net. And all of these speak uniquely to just the difference of God's kingdom versus the kingdoms of the world. And it would be great if we had time this morning to unpack those, but we just simply don't. I think it'll make for a great series, you know, coming up, but I'll, I'll ask Pastor Sutton if that would be all right, okay, you know, and we'll see if he okays, and then maybe we'll do that after this. But um, I, in the meantime, here's what I would encourage you to do. Like, take some time this week, go to Matthew chapter 13, and read these different parables, and begin to um, just get your mind around just how different the kingdom of God is. So we see that. So Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of God. He's using parables. And he's also demonstrating the difference in the kingdom of God, how different it is. Um, now, it tells us that as, as Jesus was going through the region of Galilee, he was also healing every disease and sickness among the people. He was healing every disease and sickness among the people. This is how he was demonstrating how his kingdom is different from the kingdoms of the world. And it's really encouraging as we look forward to this time when Jesus will return to earth and he will inaugurate his true kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. And he speaks to this in Revelation chapter 21, verse 4. And it says this, that he, 
Jesus will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. And so that's what we have. If you are a follower, a disciple of Jesus, you have this kingdom to look forward to, a kingdom free of death and dying, of pain and crying. It's a wonderful kingdom that awaits. But here's the other amazing thing for us, that if you are a follower of his now and you've received his Holy Spirit, that you can experience his kingdom now. You can experience the kingdom of God now because he is in the business of healing. He's all about bringing about wholeness. And so you can experience the healing and the wholeness that he offers you. You get a little glimpse, a little taste of the kingdom of God right here as it will be in the times to come. That's the promise. So that's what's happening. Now, now notice what happens next in verse 24. It says, news about him spread all over Syria. So Syria is one of the kingdoms to the east. It's part of Western Asia. So news is already spreading. Again, remember, this is a crossroads. This is a bridge connecting these different kingdoms um, from east to west, north to south. So um, it spread all the way over to Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed. And he healed them. And he healed them. So we see as Jesus is going through Galilee, throughout this entire region, he's teaching about how different his kingdom is. And he's demonstrating how different his kingdom is through his actions, through his healing, through delivering people from demonic oppression. His kingdom, it's different. It's different. And notice the response in verse 25. It said, large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan, all the way across the Jordan, followed him. Large crowds from probably every tribe, tongue, and nation are, are following Jesus around. But notice this. It doesn't say that they're all followers of Jesus. There's a difference. See, his followers are known as disciples. But there were many people who were following Jesus because they wanted to see and they wanted to hear more and more about this kingdom that he spoke of. They wanted to taste and experience this kingdom. But they weren't committed to following Jesus at this point. And so that's what we see taking place here. And I think it's important that you have that context as we begin next week and spending many weeks looking at what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Now, even though Pastor Sutton didn't trust me to even do the introduction to the Sermon of the Mount. He did give me permission to share with you this little video, and, and I love it. it it's, a, it's a great summary of what the Sermon on the Mount is all about. And so it's by the Bible Project. Some of you guys are familiar with the, that group. They do a, a wonderful job. So here it is. If you've ever heard of Jesus of Nazareth, you probably know he was a famous teacher, and his most well-known words have shaped the lives of billions of people throughout history. Love your neighbor as yourself. 
do to others what you would have them do to you. Now, those sayings come from a collection of Jesus' teaching that's sometimes called the Sermon on the Mount. It's only three chapters long, but its ideas and images have endured throughout time. You are the salt of the earth. You can't serve both God and money. Take the plank out of your eye before you take the speck out of another's. In the sermon are some really challenging teachings. If anyone strikes you on the cheek, turn and offer him the other cheek. Love your enemy and bless those who persecute you. And there are also some really puzzling teachings. If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. But the Sermon on the Mount is not a random collection of Jesus' teachings. They've been organized in a beautiful way so that it's easier to remember and meditate on. There are three main parts of the sermon, the middle of which has three parts, and then each of those middle parts themselves have three parts. Wow, the sermon has been carefully designed. Yes, and right at the center of the center is the famous prayer that Jesus taught his followers. Our Father in heaven, may your name be treated as holy. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, what does that mean for God's kingdom to come on earth? Well, we have to remember that Jesus was Jewish, and he grew up meditating on the Hebrew Bible, the sacred scriptures of Israel, and they told the story of God and all humanity. How God created a well-ordered world and appointed humans to rule it on his behalf. And when humans rule with God's wisdom and love, and when justice and peace prevail and there's enough for everyone, that is God's kingdom and God's will being done here on earth as it is in heaven. And that's no easy task. Humans foolishly rebel and start building their own kingdoms by their own wisdom. And so God chose one family, the Israelites, and he offered them his wisdom. It was called the Torah, which in Hebrew means the teaching. And beginning with Moses on Mount Sinai, God entered into a sacred covenant with them. Why only select one family? Well, the goal was for the Israelites to be transformed by God's wisdom so that they could represent God's kingdom before all the nations. But in Jesus' day, God's kingdom was nowhere to be seen. In fact, Israel was under the thumb of Roman oppressors. So what happened? Why isn't God's kingdom coming? Well, many religious leaders, like the scribes and the Pharisees, they thought it wasn't coming because Israel wasn't being faithful enough to the Torah. Other leaders, called the Sadducees, thought it would be best if Israel found a way to cooperate with Rome, and so they became the power brokers of Jesus' day. Some ran for the hills to become freedom fighters against Rome. They're known as the Zealots. And still others withdrew to the desert, waiting for God to use them to start a new Israel. But walk around the hill country of Israel, like Jesus did, and you'll mostly find normal people figuring out their lives as best they can. Most were barely hanging on, lots of poor and sick people. Many had lost their land to the Roman occupiers and were struggling to pay the heavy taxes. They were powerless and hopeless. And so Jesus went to these people, healing the sick and announcing that God's kingdom was arriving. People gathered from all over to hear his teachings. And one day, Jesus went up to a tall hill and said the arrival of God's kingdom was starting here and now with them. You mean with the powerless, the weak, the nobodies, God's kingdom begins here? Yes, this is why the very first line of the Sermon on the Mount is, blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, where can you go and see God's presence and blessing springing to life among the rich, among the powerful, 
No, Jesus says. Look where people are poor, where they feel crushed and defeated. God's kingdom is beginning with the people standing right here. All right, I hope that was helpful for you all. I find it super helpful. I, I like to get the bigger picture and understand everything that's going on and how it all fits together. And so hopefully that benefited you as much as it benefits me. Um, my, my hope over the next few weeks or really several weeks is, is that we'll have open hearts and open minds so that God can really speak to us through the power of his spirit and change us that he would do this changing, that we would be radically different than the world around us, that we would be so different that we would begin to, to look like Jesus, that we would be living and loving and leading like him because that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be as followers or disciples of Jesus. Now, one of the things that I appreciated uh, about the, the Bible project is they pointed out the fact that in, in the center of all of this teaching is a prayer. And it was a prayer that Jesus prayed to the Father. And it's a prayer that we've adapted a little bit over the centuries, and we commonly call it the Lord's Prayer. And I thought it would be fitting for us to end by um, really just reciting that prayer together. Some of you guys have memorized it. Some of you guys have not, and that's fine. We'll have it on the screen behind me. But I want us to pray that and, and I want you to notice, like, listen to what you're saying. Listen to what you're praying. Notice the kingdom of God in the midst of it and what this should look like. And then we're going to have folks um, up here to pray with you and for you afterwards. Or if you want to continue to just stay in that mode of prayer in your seats, that would be great too. So join me, if you will, in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.